Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. I'm Justin Poulin. He's John Duke. And we've got a game again already. Boy, warp speed through the offseason. It was draft. It was trading camp. And now it's now we're already got preseason games. And, oh, guess what? Next week, the season starts. <laughs> it's really uh, like shot out of a cannon. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about some interesting things. Uh, a lot of criticism for the Celtics getting nothing or only a trade player exception for Gordon Hayward. Now he's hurt, so we'll talk about that. We'll definitely uh, – some observations from the game. Uh, some interesting Twitter stuff, watching them jump all over that CNBC graphic. I can't remember what show it is, but Felger's on there, and uh, I think Greenberg's on there, and they're all – Totally laughing because they compared Steph Curry and Peyton Pritchard, not realizing that it's a joke, guys. Yeah, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> whatever, you take yourselves too seriously. And, uh, you know, many other things that we'll be talking about, including the lack of health that game one missing Tice and Tristan Thompson. I was very excited to see Thompson. Instead, we get to see some young players and look at the growth or lack thereof. Uh, depending on who you're talking to when it comes to some young developing big men, literally very big men in Taco Fall, who got the most minutes I've seen him play, you know, on the pro hardwood, and then uh, Robert Williams as well. So our buddy Lob and uh, the whole team shaking some serious rust, John. Yeah, it was it was. uh you know, you gotta get the the WD forty out. You gotta get the the wire brushes out. You gotta you gotta get the sander out. I mean, it was it was it was not a pretty game. You know, I posted after the game the not great Bob uh, uh, gif uh, after the game. It just it it just left you wanting <laughs> on a whole bunch of fronts. You know, I mean, there's there's unless your name is Peyton Pritchard uh, or or I, I suppose Jeff Teague. There's probably a not not a lot you're taking from that game and feeling good about, you know. And I, and I wouldn't say I, I thought Philly looked good. I thought they looked. I don't think they looked great. I thought there was still um, there was still a lot of questions there, uh, but I thought that they were the better team. That you know, and and I don't think that our you know Jason and, and Jalen really you know were ready for the oh the just situation as rusty before. as everybody else. Yep. Uh, worse, worse. I, I, I think they were probably, you know, they they were probably some the some of the worst players. Uh, you know, of course, you know, on a on a curve. Do you here, think Jason packing on some muscle, like there's going to be a little bit of adapting to that additional? Well, and I guess if who knows if he really grew two inches or not, but the the size, whether you're talking about height, muscle, or both. Do you think that's going to require a little bit of an adjustment for him? Because we've seen guys in the NBA bulk up, and you want that. that you want them to be more durable. You don't want to be. You don't want them to be like Tiger Woods during his ster- steroid era, too big, where it's taking a toll on the body. But you do want them to be able to take more contact at the rim and and be a little bit more durable from having that extra muscle. It also protects their joints and protects, you know, ligaments and everything else. Like it's good for them to have extra muscle uh, for healthy reasons. But at the same time, I do also, there is such a thing as too big, which I don't think Tatum is by any uh, stretch of the imagination yet, but he's not Brandon Ingram lanky and Brandon got a little bit better, but that there's a player you are seriously concerned about size, but you're seeing that shoulder, that upper body, even the legs like Tatum is definitely going to fill out some more and is, but that's gotta, it's gotta equate to a little bit of an adjustment. Like even watching it yep. misses free throws. Oh um, yeah. You, yeah. That, well that, see, that was like that rust. I thought like you were saying, like that was totally rust. I think that you're saying though too. And I noticed that it, honestly in the bubble to start at the start of the bubble, I thought, he had added added some 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 size, uh, some muscle to his frame, and I don't think he really fully realized that. Even you know, it took a while for him to get comfortable in the bubble. I mean, I just I think that's the kind of player he is. I think he has to kind of get his comfort level 
Um, he's been traditionally a slow starter in seasons. He's been traditionally a slow starter in games. You know, I think he's someone who likes to feel things out. Uh, and once he does, you know, look out. But uh, I think that that's – I don't think it's a function of that the, the muscle maybe is taken that away. I think that's just psychologically the way that he ab- approaches the game. Um, you know, he has a hard time kind of – he doesn't set the tone. He kind of lets – Let's the game come to him, right? Which we always hear that kind of cliche. He lets the game come to him. Well, the problem with that is that until it does come to him, it can be a little bit uh, rough. And and when you compare, when you then couple that with Jalen having, uh, I think, some difficulties, it was uh, there wasn't a lot there to, to feel great about. Having said that, really, the game was never out of hand. It wasn't like a 20-point game. No, and, they got and, off to and, a good start, but then they just sure. got cold, especially yes. with the shooting from the outside, and there's just so much interior size with that particular matchup between those teams if they're not knocking down the outside shots. It just clogs everything up, and it plays into Philly's hands. And it was funny because Jalen just totally splashed his first three, and it was like, oh, yeah, he's ready. Here we go. <laughs> and then it just got ugly kind of fast for, for, like you said, just about everybody in that starting unit. They didn't really I, – I, you know, as much as I clamor for Marcus Smart being the facilitator, I could be wrong about that in, in terms of starting point guard facilitator. And, again, this is one game. I'm not trying to get ridiculous, and he definitely – was killing it when Kemba was out um, at times. and um, But I think that that was also aided by Hayward, who's now missing. But anyway, back to Jalen before we go off on that tangent. <laughs> Jalen goes up for that dunk and cocks, his, the, cocks the hammer back. And then, yeah. boy, if for, so, for a guy who can get to the rim so yeah. athletically like that, to just not be able to finish the dunk, and I realize – was it Embiid or Simmons that was in front of him? I mean, I think it was, was Embiid. Embiid. Yeah, yeah, so there was – I mean, he definitely had a, 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 a large player in front of him who was in fairly good position, and part of the cockback was to make sure that the ball didn't even get touched by the defender, and then he would bring it forward. But, man, if he could just figure out how to finish some of those, he's gotten better. But if he starts finishing that, it's going to be electric. Well, I think it's – yeah, I, I think it's a it's a tunnel vision thing for him too, where you know he goes in and I'm going to throw this down on this guy and he doesn't yeah, he doesn't necessarily yeah. yeah he doesn't necessarily use a creativity to it. It's I'm not saying that he's a one one trick pony. But no, you're just saying he's trying to make a statement. They were falling behind he, energy yeah. wise. They were needing and a lift, and he him. thought if he did something aggressive. But you're right, sure. you never really see him shift into a little underhanded scoop once he's assessed the defender mid-flight. I mean, he does have he, like 10 seconds to think about it. It's what I right, it's what I love about him is that he he goes hard, he doesn't go soft. He always goes gives everything he can to it. But that's that's when he's got to add I mean, I think that's for me, that's the adjustment that he has to make going into the season is to be able to take those situations and take those, you know, just kind of pull back just a hair, so that rather than turning the corner and being like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yam it on this guy's head, I'm gonna recognize the help's coming, and this is the help guy, and I could dish to the guy he's helping off, and he, who can get it easy to, or I could kick to the corner and get a get a three. Like that's the the read that I want to see him make or the reads I want to see him make. And I think, you know, and then, or you find a creative way to finish around the defender, you know? So it just, it's about, you know, he's remember when he was, it felt like sometimes it was going a little bit fast for him a little bit. I mean, such a smart guy, but it felt like everything was, was so fast for him. I think things slowed down quite a bit for him last year in terms of what he did, but now he has to take that kind of next level jump of like, okay, now, I'm seeing what's happening. I see what I can create for myself. Can I create that for someone else? Can I create the best play? You know, and still the best play might be for him to throw down in somebody's head. Well, I mean, that he's one always play out it, on the break after he picked off the pass and then 
through the oop to that. green. That was that was sexy. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's and that's one of those things where that's where I saw improvement. You know, because what was what was always his difficulty defensively? It's re- making off ball reads, right? It was about him yeah. getting lost, losing the losing his guy, losing the situation. And that situation, that's an off ball situation where he turned it into a into a dunk the other side. I mean, that to me. That's, yeah, that's and he waited to throw the lob until he had the defender committed too. That's right. another thing. He would either commit before the defender, or he'd try to make the oop before the defender committed, and then always allowed them to to blow the play up because they were able to adjust. And he's got to wait just a hair longer to know that oh, the defender's not going to recover on green. Now I throw yep. the oop, or the defender's hedging. And now I've got them on their back, you know, on their on their heels enough that I can go up over them and posterize them. And right. and I think he, I think you're right. The game is slowing slowing down a little bit. I know we want to talk about Hayward, but I don't want to break up since we're taking. You know, we might as well just kind of run down some yeah. of the new guys too. All right, so totally. you know, there was there was Smart and there was Brown and there was Tatum, but even then, we already kind of know what we have with those guys. A couple of hustle plays with Smart. I did notice Danger Cart did make a good point. I just wish Marcus wasn't making those kinds of plays in preseason. What's the point of getting, you know, a minor nagging injury for a preseason warm up? And and that's true. But really? there's a lot of young that guys. Bothers you? No, no. I, I get the point. I get the yeah. point that Danger Cart's making. You know, because of the little nagging injuries. But I was about to say was you've got a lot of young guys on this team, especially getting yeah. minutes that night. And I do think you have to show them the way, right? Almost like the Mandalorian. This is the way. Ah, nice, nice. I was wondering. I if knew you would like there. that. I, I do. I knew you. I, I did it for you. I know it's overused, but I did it for you because you're my friend. And then we say, and then and then when you're done with your comment, what do you say? You say, "I have spoken." Um, <laughs> so that's that's real season one. That's real season one Mandalorian. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, I think Smart, you know, he got a lot of flack, at, particularly in that Miami series, for shooting them out of games and not knowing. And I thought he really tried to make a concerted effort in that first half to try to be the facilitator. Uh, I thought he turned down shots. I thought he, you know, he just, he, he wasn't aggressive in that way. And I'm okay with that. I think that I, I want him to be that guy, the guy who takes on that mantle. I mean, to me, like, Smart feels like he has to, you know, he has to be the driving force. He has to be the engine. And, and like you said, I think it's great. That was an, a team that showed very little energy. Suggs had no energy in that game. So why not be diving? Someone's got to kick their, kick their butts and get them going. So do that, get it going, boom, great. You know, let's try to show the young guys. I totally agree with you. But, you know, I want to see that facilitator. I want to see him creating for other people. I think he's got to fill that void with, with Hayward gone. And, you know, yeah, in a third tertiary role, he could be a fine scorer in that role. I think it's, it's this is going to be a great season for Marcus Smart. I, I really um, – but, you know, we're <laughs> – I'm a big Marcus guy, so that's that's that should surprise no one. I love Marcus. I absolutely love him, <laughs> and the reason I like him manning the offense is because I also prefer Brown and Tatum sliding down to shooting guard and small forward, which is not what we saw, obviously, especially because they don't have the size at the four and the five, and with Tice and and uh, our our new fr- our new friend Tristan Thompson out, they definitely couldn't do it. Um, and they had to kind of play around with the rotation, and they really needed Grant Williams coming off the bench. And that would have been an area where you could slide them down if there was enough front, you know, if there was enough depth in the front court. Maybe Grant Williams gets the starting nod instead of Green, and could even be alongside a Tice or Tristan Thompson. And they could experiment with that, knowing Kemba's out. But it obviously doesn't work with Kemba in because the best – I just don't – well, I think they're too small. And I don't know. It's tough. Maybe it still works with Kemba, but 
um, you know, you're you're going to see Smart in the lineup. So I, it's a little bit you got to put him at shooting guard. I I don't see how that totally works out with Kemba, but but maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the 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 bottom line is they definitely I like them. I like Tatum and Brown sliding down, and that's something that makes them really big with Marcus and even more switchable and stronger defensively with Marcus at point guard. So I wish that we had seen that uh, last night as part of the experiment, but we certainly couldn't. No, yeah, I mean, you're you could argue that the second best big man on the on the Celtics roster last night was was Grant Williams. So you know. You know who's going to play power forward? I don't even know that anybody would argue with you. You know, yeah. <laughs> are you going to count no. Chevy Ojale? Like, how are you doing no, that? No. You you nope. can say he's the best, all right? Yeah, right. I mean, if you right. consider that Tatum, even though he plays big enough to play power forward, he's really a small forward. He's a wing, and well, he's six ten. So well, that's what I mean. He's big enough now, but he's still he's still he plays like a wing. He doesn't play like a power forward, but. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, I personally don't mind them playing him at power forward. I, I want them to have more lineup flexibility is the, is the real thing because there, there are lineups when you know the Kemba, you know, Smart, Jalen, Tatum, and you know Tice or or Rob or whoever like that. That's probably their best lineup most nights. That's their most potent lineup. It's probably their best scoring lineup and all that, but. There are, there are nights when I'd much rather have uh, more of a traditional four or more, maybe not even a traditional four, but if, like, let's say they went out and got, you know, Aaron Gordon, um, you know, who's still switchable and flexible enough, but has a little bit more heft and, and, and strength. And it doesn't quite shoot as outside as well as Tatum. So plays so, the four. Yeah. Yeah. He fits. Right. That. But he's better, but he's, but you know you could still put Tatum or or Gordon on whoever the better defender is if they're bigger. Like it just it gets you that flexibility, which is, all of this isn't a reason to go into the the use the TPE to get Aaron Gordon trained. But it's really just the point of just talking about that line of flexibility. You know, Smart allows them to kind of go either way with that, which is I think where you were going with it, and I and I totally agree. To me, Marcus Smart's best ability long-term is not for him to be something that's jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but for him to play more point guard. You know, to me, this team, with Marcus Smart as the point guard, still flex, you know, still flexible, still still switching, but, you know, for what this team needs from a point guard, Marcus Smart fits that, fits that role once you have the fully realized version of Jason Tatum, the fully realized, you know, maxed-out version of Jalen Brown. Yeah, you don't maybe need somebody who can create as much off the bounce um, like like Kemba can. I mean, certainly if you can have an All NBA guy, you yeah, do. Yeah, and, and but, another but outside he, he shooter to space the floor. Like, and and you know we're gonna have this conversation now, but like Aaron Smith or Naismith or Naismith. see on draft night Naismith. they said Naismith. Then I started hearing Naismith. Yeah. And then on all the broadcasts, including Washed Up Marv Levy. Well, there you go. <laughs> see how I did that? Um, and he's like Nesmith, him or and Melvin. Chris Weber. Or, or, right, did I say Levy? <laughs> Levy? And it's Levy, but I did that yeah, anyway. Or yeah. he was the coach of the Bills, remember? Uh, <laughs> either way, watch. well, listen, he called. It's been a long he week. Called, he Marv called Alvin. Grant. Yeah, I think he called Grant Tatum or something. I, mean, I don't know. I was watching. He was like the Celtics are up ten. It was like no, yeah. they're not. And I was watching was a the player NBC that he thought was so. on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was bad, dude. It was bad. I mean, even the energy was bad. You thought the you thought Tatum was rusty. Chris Webber, somebody got in his ear and said, "Hey, Webb, it's falling apart with Marv. Marv, yeah. Marv is gassed. You've got to carry this. You can't be." You can't. You are going to have to bring a lot more enthusiasm and energy on this broadcast because he yeah. definitely did after that. But Marv was Marv and his Marv's eyes were all red and glassy. Like he did not look good, dude. He did not it's, look good. It's time. It's time for Marv it's, to go. I mean, it, it, and that was it was probably time two years I mean, ago. Dude, after you lose like four Super Bowls in a row, right? Like you just can't. <laughs> 
on a field Thurman goal. Thomas, the last. The greats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's how you know. Have you ever seen Still Marvin going Hill? 25 years later. I don't I get know. it. It's amazing. Nobody you keeps know? a head coaching job that long. You know, you go in the in the fall, you go and lose the Super Bowl, and then you jump on the NBA with NBC with the czar, the telestrator. I mean, what a run for that guy, honestly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't even know where we go. I don't know I don't where we go either. from here. Let's talk about Now that we know how to say yeah. his name, am I disappointed with him? Yeah, he didn't play with the, with the, the starters when they were. Oh no, that didn't bother me in the first half. I mean, just looking at that whole lineup, I remember seeing everybody on Twitter. What? No minutes? No minutes? I was like, oh, yeah. he'll get plenty of time in the second half. They're experimenting with some things, and uh, I I wasn't no not disappointed. If you look at total minutes in the end, he's right there with everybody else with 19. I think they didn't want to be messing around with a lot of in and out with the rotation more than they had to. So if you look at the guys that were going in and out of the rotation, it, it's the it, it was either they were just going super young with the guards, um, and that was more towards the end too, if you really think about it, like Carson and Tremont didn't really play till later either. But they didn't have a lot of depth. I think they wanted to, to tighten it up with Javante, and then you, know, you had uh, Jeff Teague, and Grant Williams and Peyton kind of coming in. And then in the second half, I think did T kind of rest a lot of the second half. I know he had his little offensive explosion. I believe that was in the second quarter, which well, was helping the them. Third, was it, was I, I it, was the explosion he, in the third? I think he played the third there too, quite a bit. Cause he was, they, they put him in again with, with Pritchard. Uh, oh, that's right. The two of, of them backcourt. That's right. I think before they went, and then they went to the three man, you know, the three man court with, with Teague, Pritchard, and uh, and Carson. I think they ran that for a bit. Yeah, that, and then that they, was a little small. Yeah. And then they pulled. Well, then they brought in Tremont, I think, in for uh, for Teague, and then it got I really think, really small. You know, historically small. Um, so Let's average taco fall into that equation. Right, that would be the only way you'd get to an average lineup is if you bring in the seven, seven guy. Um, but you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't disappointed at all. I, you know, you got to talk about what you're going up against and you know, you've got, if you look at that roster, that, that Sixers roster, it's a very veteran laden bench. You know, I mean, yes, Maxi obviously is their point. You know, is their 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 high pick, uh, their number one pick. Uh, but you know, Corkmaz and uh, oh yeah, know, it's just what, Anderson, ordered, just what the doctor ordered, dude. I mean, I, that's his I, game. It was it was really t- no, but I mean, it was really tough for a Celtics bench that was other than you know really it, for tonight's no, season, it was the G League. Season, it was it was the G League. Right. It was the Red Claws. Yeah, it was the Red Claws out there. Yeah. You know, and and so you you can't. Uh, on the one hand, you can't give too much to it because, you know, in reality, it's like, wow, you know, you got to think it's it only still upwards exposes from the depth issues of this roster Bingo. and the That's preferences the of Doc Rivers and a more veteran laden roster. That's kind of what I was getting at is. That's what Doc wants. He doesn't want what you're looking at with this Celtics roster, which is part of the reason he left. This isn't what he wants. He wants guys he can trust, and then he can build around his superstars, and they come in and do what he expects them to do in the game. And guess what? It's not a bad luxury to have. And I think if we had Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tyson, Kemba Walker healthy right now, it wouldn't expose. It wouldn't have been so glaring, but – that's the issue that we have run into over the three years that we had Gordon Hayward, which is we keep getting a little bit thin in the depth department when he's not healthy. And now he's gone and we're still thin and we haven't used the, the traded player exception yet to be able to fill that void. And they may not. I, I really did like instant often offense by Teague. And I think if you had Kemba Walker back in this, starting lineup 
that transition to the second unit and sustaining offense would be great. And you might be able to have somebody like uh, Marcus Smart out there to steady the two so that there's some defensive continuity as that transition's happening too. One of the things that got hurt a little bit, and not because Pritchard isn't, he's a he's a hustler, right, on D. Like all effort, real good composure. Heady heady player. I already like him better than Waters and and Edwards, no no doubt. And it's not because he scored 16 points or because of the CNBC graphic of putting him up against the first preseason game <laughs> against Steph Curry or anything like that. It's just very clearly he's more composed, he's more of a facilitator distributor and he's less of a defensive liability. And the, for for those two players to have been as inconsistent as they were with the minutes that they got, I feel very comfortable that yeah, Pritchard's not going to consistently, you know, throw up 16 points on 20 minutes a night. But I do think he's going to come in and steady the offense, and I think we have somebody we can trust handling the ball. He's not going to create turnovers, and especially where there's more veterans that he's playing alongside, and the offense gets a little bit more established with some of the newer players and Brad Stevens and everybody being healthy, I think he'll even be more comfortable and things will flow very smoothly when he's out there. And again, it'll be limited minutes. Once Kim is healthy, Pritchard's probably not going to play more than 12 minutes a night. And I think he'll be solid for those 12. I hope, I hope, well, so, okay, here's the thing. Like this is last night. The reason to me in part, you could, you could say, you could point to last night's game and say, geez, that was kind of a disaster is, you know, the guys who've been on this bench, for, I'm not taking these Smith yeah, and mate. taking Pritchard out of it. The guys have been on this bench. Whether you talk about Carson, you talk about Tremont, you talk about Semi, you talk about even Grant to some to some degree, Taco. You know, they all don't seem like they have. They're playing with confidence, and they all don't seem like they're playing. You know, with the, that they have established themselves. And so if you want to, if there's any criticism, I think you want to levy it at the Celtics over the last few years is they haven't done a great job developing those other guys Now you could say Danny hasn't found the right guys. You can say that, uh, um, you know, that, that they've had some, maybe some bad luck or, or, you know, they've had so many veterans two years ago that they, it kind of cut out the space. But I think that there's a, a real argument to be made or, or maybe the devil's argument, argue, Devil's advocate, I guess, in me is saying, you know, there's a, there's a real place where you could say maybe, you know, Brad has not done justice to these, some of these younger players. You know, look at, I mean, a year ago, well, not a year ago, but last preseason, uh, you know, Carson Edwards had eight threes against Cleveland Cavaliers, looked confident as hell. And then two weeks later, it looked like he had never played a basketball game in his life. And had his, his sneakers tied together when he went into the, you know, when they gave him a, a, a real run there to start the season. So something happened. What happened? I don't know. But, you know, is it, the, is it the teams they're going against? Is it just the fact that they're not, he doesn't have the skills to be able to compete with real NBA players, but does in a, uh, in a G League format, a summer league format, a preseason format? It doesn't seem like that there should be that big of a, of a gap, but, you know, he was probably the worst part of the floor last night, Carson was. And to me, the guy's got talent, you know, but he's small. But would he be the first small guy to not you – know, or would he be the last small guy to never have made it? I mean, it just seems like the Celtics not putting a high enough premium on playing these young guys and, for, and really putting them into situations. Rob Williams, he needs to play, I think, to work through his issues. I don't think he's going to get them figured out on the practice court. I think he has to play and play and play. And things are going to have to go badly, and we're going to have to live with bad results. And I think that's why this first month, six weeks, whatever it is, without Kemba is going to be rough. Because not only are you without Kemba, a great player, you're playing players that, you know, when you maybe could have gotten away with uh, playing them a little bit of minutes to get their feet wet and get them, you know, established in the NBA, now you're going to need them to play 20 minutes. Now you're going to need him to be your seventh, eighth man. Uh, that's where, to me, that's what's concerning. And that's maybe the, potentially an indictment of, of Brad Stevens in that he hasn't done a good enough job in getting 
this this wide swath of young players established uh, in their NBA careers on this team. All right, folks, are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer, and the NFL... <clears throat> And there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on all the action. And don't forget, use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So what do you think is going to happen at this point? Do you think they're going to use that traded player exception this year? Or do you think they kick that can down the road? I think they will. I think they'll use it this year. I think they'll use it um, potentially earlier than later. Uh, because I think they're going to want... One, with Kemba being out, I think that that's an issue. So they, they <laughs> I mean, you look at last night, there's a need for players who can play. But the thing is, you can still add a guy. Like, let's say it's Aaron Gordon. Let's say they add one guy, right? Or, or it's Terrence Ross or whoever the heck it is, right? Even if you had one of those guys, right? There's still plenty of minutes to go around. There's no Brad Wanamaker around, you know? There's... You know, there's still no, there's no cancer around. I mean, there's minutes, there's minutes to be had and with that, you know, no back to backs, but playing every other day. And, you know, who knows what happens with COVID. God forbid something were to happen to any of these guys. Everyone's going to have to play. So this is the time, these next six weeks, this is the time to see what you get at the end of that, that stretch when you get into February. That's when you move, make a move for that TPE and you try to get somebody in here who's, who could be here for, for a longer period of time, you know, who, you know, two years. I really think it's a bad idea to only do one year, uh, or somebody's on an expiring. I definitely think you, but at the same time, a year and a half from, or at not this after this season, but after next season, you're going to be back in line with smart salary and everything else. And so you could get handcuffed if you use a sizable chunk of the TPE and fill up, and fill up salary and not leave enough to be able to retain smart. And, you know, that's got to be a main concern for you, considering how much love you gave him to kick off the show. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it, it is, but it's, you know, and that's probably why they're looking at, well, maybe you break it up. But, you know, like a guy like Gordon, I mean, his number's going down in the second year. That You know, he's got two years. He's got this year, and he's got another year after that, uh, I think. And so it's a declining contract. So, it's going the other way, which is nice. Um, you'd have to re-sign him, but at least he'd be lined up with with Kemba and Smart's deals being up. And then you got to make a decision, you know. And you know, look, Kemba's money. We're you know we're kind of sitting here being like you know, assuming that he's going to still be around or they'd want to have him around. But you know, <laughs> in two years, you know, he just got this. The you know the platelet rich stuff uh, plasma or, or whatever the stem cell putting his <laughs> knee like it's not you know in two years i'm pretty concerned man I you am. might be you might be without that 30 million dollars you know you might be in yeah. a situation where he's an expiring deal and you you send it elsewhere so there may be money there to sign him I, we talked about two weeks ago or whatever was there last year we talked about a concern of that and i am concerned about that too but you know, if you lose Tatum, if you, you know, if you were to lose, let's say you were to lose a Kemba, but you know, Smart shows that he could be a, a third best on a roster, or, and let's say you've got Gordon, he could be a three B. That's probably going to get you where you need to be, but you still got to have those younger players who are still on their rookie deals, like a Romeo, like a a Nee Smith, like a Grant. Like guys like that to round out your rotation, you know, so you're not relying on minimum salary players. That's the trick, right? That to me is the ideal world is that, you know, you have smart and you have maybe Gordon to take up a step, you know, maybe you re-sign Kemba at a much lesser number. You know, you've got rookies that, you know, who are, or guys who are still on rookie deals who are your bench. That's where you need to be. But the problem is, 
you got to have the rookies. you got to have the guys who, 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 you know, you need to have the next Terry Rozier, the next, you know, Kelly Olenek. You need to have the, those guys have to hit. They, you know, neither of those guys are going to be star, really stars, but they're solid bench pieces. They're solid starters. They're solid players. Those guys had an opportunity. And the guys on this bench, then this is very different to being, you know, drafted 15th or drafted, uh, sixth, you know, 13th, um, respectively, Rozier and, and Olenek, as opposed to Carson Edwards, who's 31, or, um, you know, even Rob Williams, 27. But they need to have, you know, rotation. Those guys need to turn into rotation players. And to me, that's, that's Brad Stevens' job. It's not to try to get the most out of, even Shemi Ojale at this point, or get the most out of, uh, you know, play, you know, Jeff Teague 35 that's, minutes. That's that a we really, get an so, so real quick, I do think it's important to have Jeff Teague worked into this rotation because of the postseason impact. But Shemi, if he's having a major impact in the postseason outside of some critical minutes guarding Giannis, then uh, I, but I'm with you 100%. That's a really good point. Would, during the regular season, we should be keeping vets like Teague fresh. He should get minutes. He should build some chemistry, but there should be plenty of room for these other players, and it shouldn't be the fringe guys who have already had their opportunity. They got to start weeding through these players to figure out exactly to your point who are going to be the bench guys who understand the system, who are going to stick around and really contribute. And that's probably another reason for drafting somebody like Pritchard. And, um, exactly. you, know, I, you know, he is such a, he's so clearly a dirt dog. I bet we're going to hear stories by the end of this year, but definitely when, you know, Marcus is hitting that 30 range, Kemba's kind of moved on from this deal and Pritchard's kind of coming into his mid-20s, I bet we'll hear about just the dirt-dog battles in practice that those two go at each other with. And that's what they need. They definitely need those kinds of tone setters. And so totally. in a lot of ways, I mean, what's Pritchard, 22? A lot of ways, he's he's I mean, he's already older than, than Tatum. He's so, older than Tatum, yeah. Right, he's older than Tatum. So in many ways, he is a veteran <laughs> on this team in we, terms of age and experience. Yeah, and, and we talked about it, and I think we saw it last night, and I and I think um, you know we've talked about this a lot on the show forever. Um, you need guys who have that tenacious, tenacious attitude. You know, you need those guys. It, it, it can't just simply be I'm the most talented, and that's good enough. Like you have to have people who who spur your team in in uncommon and unreasonable ways. And and Marcus Smart's one of those guys. But you need multiple. Uh, you need multiple versions of that. You know, you, Miami, yes, they had, you know, they had Jake Crowder. They had Jimmy Butler. They had, you know, Udonis Haslam's in their ear. You know, you even you say Goran Dragic has a little bit of that, that grit to him. You know, you need players like that who litter your roster. You can't, can't have all of those guys, but you got to have enough of them. And the, the Celtics officials. didn't have enough of those guys this year, no, they they, or last and, year, and, and they, they needed more. They needed a lot more, and the officials respect those players. I they mean, do. early on, obviously, somebody like Marcus, a little over-aggressive, but Pritchard's got – that's the kind of thing I'm talking about with the composure. He's tenacious and aggressive, but at the same time – yeah, I don't. I think he's a little bit more composed, and so I don't think he's going to end up getting a whole lot of the ticky tack type fouls. I think fundamentally he's sound. He's going to get beat laterally is where he's going to get killed on defense. There's going to be some players in this league that just have an amazing first step, and he's going to have a hard time. There's some players. There are so many players in this league that have an amazing first step, but as long as he plays close without fouling and it slows them down and is somewhat obstructing them. The help defense ought to clean some of that up. And it's not going to be any worse than the size issues that we have as alternatives. <laughs> He's not going to be a worse defender, even if he doesn't have the lateral, you know, right. motion as much, you know, that or that, that 
that ability. He's got enough of the the size and strength because um, he does have a stronger lower body. So he's just going to have to be able to use that and body up on some of these players um, and try to you know get low and slow them down. But they're going to get by him. And when they do, we're just going to need the defense to clean it up. That's all. And at least we'll get a tenacious effort out of him. And, and again, on offense, I mean, running the break, that's another thing. Just I thought he was really smooth. I think he underestimated how difficult it would be able to throw what would normally be a chess pass to another center. <laughs> but because it's taco, he's hitting him at the balls and you know, yeah. it's just not worth, you know, that just, it was a great look for any other player, just not him. And I, that I, one's yeah. going to go up for taco, right? Right. <laughs> that I, think really got, I, I think taco was kind of criticized in terms of how he played. I thought he was fine last night. I, I mean, was he great? No, but he's a guy on a two way deal. And you know, I don't think he embarrassed himself. I think there was a lot of passes that should have gone his way. That that hook was pretty ugly, but uh, the one that, that needs to finish with the like end one. Like but literally bringing the ball up, that. and he should have stopped and just held the ball up in the air. Nobody's going to get it from him. Let yeah. the offense set. That's some of those jitters, though. I think that's teachable. Yeah. We all know he's teachable. Uh, his size is going to make up for some things. That he does deserve, he's limited. I'm not saying he necessarily sure. deserves criticism, but he's definitely limited as much as he's gifted. And so uh, we'll just he's have to see the how that's He's not the first guy that they need to get rid of. You know, that's my point. No. You know, I mean, was he great? No, no but, but you know where the criticism the really belongs, and this is where I was going with this, is actually Robert Williams. He yeah. has the ability when he's closing out on that perimeter shooter to influence the ball. And so many times he ranges out. You and I gave him so much praise last year for doing that, but he needs to close out with just one extra ounce of effort than he did last night, and he'll actually alter those shots. And all he's got to do is alter one or two to get in their head, and they won't quite pull They'll second-guess themselves, or he'll just get more blocks. But I don't know if you noticed, but he was a little flat-footed a couple of times with his closeout instead of jumping out a little bit more. And because he's getting there with his length, he can always pull the arm back as he gets close to the player once the ball's by. But he's not really getting full extension to try to disrupt that shot. And a lot of those players think they've already gotten a ton of room, so they're shooting with confidence. And that he needs to get that extra effort, that a little extra extension. He's got to leap a little bit, whatever it is. He's got to touch a couple of those balls when he's closing out, or you know, he's not really having an impact. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're absolutely right about that. He's, you know, it's it's just it's the little things with him. Uh, and it's always the little things with him, but the little things are big when, when you continually do them over and over and over again incorrectly. And you've been taught to do it. And, um, you know, I, so I you think, saw that, too. Like, I haven't oh, read yeah. that. No, and I that did. Just, and, and I just felt like the closeouts were a little lazy and I didn't like I, it. It's yeah. And that's why, you know, you can say, well, he went up against, you know, Embiid and Embiid's a tough match for him. And that's true. I mean, that's probably the worst possible guy he could ever defend. I thought he got screwed on a call because Embiid definitely yes. kind of hooked him. And But at the yep. same time, here's where Williams screwed up again, though. It's, he brought his hands team. out and forward. And if he had him up with a strong base, then he might have still altered that shot. He might have even gotten the hook or the charge. But because he's the less reputable, younger player, and his hands are out into the defender, even if the defender moved into those arms – that's not the fundamental way to defend in the post. And so if you have your hands out, you're asking for it, especially when you're going up against, you know, somebody that the league wants to elevate. When he's defending without responsibility, and what I mean is the one, the, the block he has. Yeah, right? let it roam. Let it right? roam. But he doesn't have to worry about covering up someone else's mistakes, and he yes. can just really leave his guy and let his athleticism speaks, he's great. But when he's the guy who has to like cover up someone else's mistake and and, and uh, you know pick a roll coverage and all, 
I mean, how many times have I seen him not know? Am I switching? Am I not switching? What, you know, am I icing this guy? Am I blitzing the guy? Like those types of things here in year four. That's why it's like, uh, that's the frustrating part because you see the potential. But if you, if you can't get those things down, eek, you know, and, and that, then you end up saying, if you're going to go up and get, you know, Gordon or whatever, then he may be the guy you have to send out to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's extension eligible this summer. His rookie deal is is basically gone. (laughs) Yeah, he plays like a free safety. He has the potential to play like a Rodman. Um, I think, I don't think he plays with that energy. And so he has to do the other things that you're talking about, but he could be more free roaming if, he could still work those fundamentals into that, right? Like you can get a little bit looser with him and have him do, you know, all kinds of help coverage and things like that, knowing you're going to get burned, but knowing that you're playing to his athletic strengths and doing so. And, um, and, and then maybe even simplifying it a little bit for him, but because he's not really, fully capable of grasping that, you can't even do that. If I mean, if you look at the way Rodman was used on the Bulls, right, get rebounds, and, you know, he wasn't even a great shot blocker, right? He's just, But he would definitely just get in the head, as a defender, get in, you know, the head of the player that he was guarding. And uh, and it was all about the rebounds, and he was flaky on that team. He, he sometimes didn't show up. He would take off and go on whatever. Sp- <laughs> they say alcohol, okay, just alcohol. But he would go on these sprees and you know disappear from the team, and then come back and whatever. You know, Rob is is not that eccentric, but he has that same God given ability. And I don't see any reason why we couldn't put up with some of the limitations if he could take more advantage of his strengths. Or not the limitations, but or maybe it is the limitation. Maybe intellectually he's just limited to be consistent with that. I think you could I think you could work around that for a guy you know is not going to be in the starting lineup. Right. I think as a as a backup backup big, you know, if we're just saying a backup big, I think he's fine in that regard. I think he can be a backup big. I think the the problem that I see we want, we're salivating for more. that in the starting right. lineup. If uh, that was fundamentally sound with right. all the gifts that he has, boy, that would turn this into a dynamo team. Because we see what's possible for him, you know. We see that he could be so much more, but you know, he's just he's got to you know he's got to work those things out. And and frankly, only way I think he's going to fix them is by playing through them. You know, and if he does play through them, and that's what I think this next six weeks is about. Stay healthy, get minutes. We, Stay healthy, we can get be at minutes. a point. Yeah, we can be at a point in in February, March, where we're saying like, "Whoa, oh, okay, hold on here." You know, and 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 it may be you end up trading Tice. You're not trading uh, if he plays <laughs> like he did for a handful of games in that Toronto series consistently yeah. through this year. Even if it takes him, like you're saying, a month or two to warm up, I'll take it. Um, right. I'll absolutely take it. Okay, so we're we're kind of getting on the the long side of the show, but we gotta leave room for a Hayward suffering Jeez. a broken what is it a finger on his right hand? Uh, the, hand? the fifth metatarsal, I think. Uh, of what of what finger, right? Or is shooting it hand? Meta- it's his pinky. He broke his pinky. That's what Again. I'm saying. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 How bizarre. Now, I think right now they're saying day to day and you and I were texting back and forth on this. And you're like, well, if it's the same as last time, it's six weeks, six weeks. It's just so tough, man. It's so tough. And um, I feel bad for him. I really do. But at some point, you got to. The ankle injury was not a case of him being a fragile player, right? Came down wrong, rolled it, pop, bang. Ah, gross. But everything else since then is like really fragile kind of simple stuff. It's bizarre. It's it just off, bizarre. Don't forget the nerve damage in the foot, too. So he's, that that 
which is related to the ankle. Uh, right. But I, look, I, I I feel bad for him. Uh, I don't feel bad for Charlotte because they knew the risk going into it that these things happened. Well, them. and it's a long um, contract. I mean, honestly, for six weeks out of that entire contract, if this is the last time we hear about it, then it's a whatever for their contract. Right. And I'm making it, up six weeks, too. But I just we have, right. But whatever it is, he's got a broken finger. It's going to impact his ability to develop chemistry. They didn't even have, you know, a real preseason in training camp. Now they're going to get further down the road in the season. They spent a ton of money hoping to make a little bit of a leap because they have a high-profile draft pick to go with, you know, a team they've been trying to put together. They want to make some noise, you know, and this this definitely disrupts some of that progress. And so – um, do I, you know, two or three weeks, whatever. It's just not ideal. I think the reason that we're all like knee jerking in Boston is because this has just been the story well, for him the whole time that we had him. Right. right. And so this is Charlotte's the whole problem. Like, eh, this, whatever, no, this no, is why we didn't want to give him $30 million a year. You know, I mean, this is the whole thing. I mean, yeah, he might play the, he might play every game for the rest of the year, but the fact he could even get out of the preseason without doing something that causes them to miss more time. Uh, I mean, to to their credit, uh, or, you know, Charlotte's credit, I suppose, at least he'll have a chance to play, you know, once he's through this, he'll be able to play in the, the postseason. He'll have a potential to play for the postseason. <laughs> you know what I mean, that's something he didn't do two of the three years he was here. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, he left this, you know, I don't know how honest he was about his desire to leave. From what I get the sense is that he was uh, he was unhappy, and I'm not sure how much Boston really understood how how unhappy he was. And and maybe shame on the Celtics for not saying, you know, we should have cut bait with him sooner, knowing that he wasn't happy in that role, um, rather than trying to you know create some sort of leverage situation where you know we're the only reasonable spot for him to go and blah blah blah. But he. I, I think the Celtics still can get something out of that TPE that's going to allow them to fit the needs of this roster better than probably even Gordon Hayward could. You know, I mean, he maybe covered up some things, but for this team to be what it needs to be, the ball needs to be in Jason Tatum's hands. Jalen Brown needs to be a, a better distributor, a better number two guy. You know, that's for this team to be the NBA champion. That's what they need. And to, have, to pay Gordon Hayward $30 million to be their caddy would, is just an injustice. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a luxury yeah. that wasn't necessary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so take that money and spend it in areas that could better help them. Uh, you know, if you spend $18 million on, uh, you know, Aaron Gordon and you can find a way to, to spend a, another five via the MLE or the biannual uh, to get a, a shooter, that's a better expense of money and you're still seven million dollars to the good. You know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at it. It's not it's not that uh you dislike Hayward, it's just and and there's a probably pretty good chance that Gordon and that other guy have a good do chance of probably being there in the playoffs. And how, Gordon Hayward never was. <laughs> do you realize how bananas it would be around here right now if he just broke his hand? After he signed a thirty million dollar a year contract in Boston, after what we just went through, if if you thought it was bad after that last night's game, <laughs> this would be kicking it to a whole other whole other level. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it's terrible. I feel bad. I I really do. Like you said, I I feel bad for the guy. I just I don't understand. It was a bad contract. It maybe it makes sense for Charlotte because they have to overpay, but it was a bad contract. And, you know, much like Al Horford, they're going to look back on that as probably Philly does as a real missed opportunity for them. Yep. So, yep. Oh, <laughs> I like how you tied that in. All right. Well, we're going to get some uh, Kyrie uh, time coming up here. 
not sure if John and I will be able to reconvene until after Christmas or not. We're going to definitely be thinking about it. There's uh, The final preseason game is, what, Friday night? And then the season kicks off next week on the 22nd. Yeah. That's Tuesday night, right? Uh, 23rd. I oh, is it, is it Wednesday night? Oh, that's even better because I won't be traveling yeah. on Wednesday. I'm is down it? if it's the 23rd. So um, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And 23rd, 23rd and, then, and then on Christmas Day against the Mets at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Boom. So, uh, Boom. you know, I know – I hope Kyrie – shows up but can feel the booze because they're they're going to be coming from my my living room on this magical christmas day in the middle of covid nonsense i'll be booing my ass you saw me throwing him some shade again on twitter i don't talk (laughs) to the press look at me talking to the press look at me talking to the press (laughs) dude the guy he just and then he just sets himself up he puts all he just he just talks so much shit Dude, he talks so much. And then he's like, what? I'm not talking to you guys anymore. Well, then stop talking. Literally, dude, stop talking and stop setting yourself up for these huge expectations like you've done it. You haven't done it. You haven't done it without LeBron. You haven't done it. You haven't done it. So stop talking like you've already done it because you haven't. You had one big shot. You hit one big shot, and it's because you were the sidekick. You're Robin. You wear tights. Come on, man. Oh, I can't stand him. I can't stand this guy. How, how long is the victim? Always. Let, let's do this. They have yet to play a game against the Celtics, right? And it's very early. How long? Let's 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 put a little like not a wager, but let's like let's guess like. How long before the first negative story about Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn? How long? Oh, you think it's going to go south between those two? Yep. Um, I, that's actually not my bet. I think. I okay. Mean, my, well, maybe my maybe bet, more my, my bet is more my bet is that doesn't happen. I think he. I think he and KD stay tight in their ridiculousness. Right. The problem is, is you've got a ton of decent role players who have been competing in his absence and prior to his acquisition that just kept fighting and fighting and have earned time. And they're all going to be taking back seats to these two stars. And if the team isn't winning significantly and those two alienate those players or do what Kyrie does best and starts pointing fingers at guys who, I mean, they fought the good fight, dude. How many times did they beat us? Like, with a little chip on their shoulder for the whole trade oh, yeah. thing. Like, they were a tough right. out the last two years for the Celtics. A tough right. out. Not a talented squad. Not a heavy-loaded, top-heavy, talent-laden squad. But a tough out. Gritty. I mean, you got to give them that. Now you're going to take these gritty players, make them all play second fiddle, see if they're willing to do that, and then Kyrie is just so notorious for, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to say the leader thing. This is what the leader thing is to say. But he doesn't act it. He just says it because he just says things because he thinks they're the things to say. And he's so full of it, dude. And He's not – he might be genuine to, like, friends – but he's not genuine as a leader in that clubhouse, and he's going to throw some of those players under the bus. They're young. They're not pulling their weight at some point. Young guys. But they <laughs> don't meet the expectations, and this is why I think he's an idiot, because he says, I'm not talking to the media, and then he starts talking like they're going to go out and win 72 games, and he starts setting that expectation, and he's in freaking New York. You're an idiot, dude. You are an idiot. You've already come. You were a small market kitty in Cleveland. Then you went to Boston, which is not a big market like New York, but in the NBA world, it's a bigger market, and you know how sports talk and and the media is in Boston. And then you're going to New York. You're going to set these lofty expectations. And if things don't start going right, especially after they paid you to sit your ass for an entire year and, you know, do that dance, and they spend all that money to go get KD to sit for a year, 
they didn't get any value out of that contract. If you're fourth seed, fifth seed, and we hit March, you're damn right he's going to start saying that it's the other players on the team that aren't getting done. Me and KD go out every night and get ours, and we work, you know, but it's, it's a team, and the whole team has to contribute. You know, that's when it'll – once he starts throwing that bullshit tra- that shade, that's when the whole thing – the wheels come off, dude. Uh, so I'll say March just for the wheels coming off and him starting to point fingers. Yeah, I I mean I think that it's it's possible that um I think I think they they will come off um I think it's also a situation where they could look really good in the regular season and as things get tighter things might not look as great. Um now this this Eastern Conference is tough, dude. It's, it's going to be tough. a grind. It's a tough the, I would have said that 2 years ago in the two years ago Eastern Conference, but Toronto lost Kawhi and stayed tough, and they're still tough. And then you've got Philly, who's going to be healthy, and they've had a regime change, and I think they're going to be tough. I think they're better. I still think they're misfit toys, but they're but they fit better than they did last year. And then you then you know you've got Milwaukee, and they're healthy, and you've got. And, and Washington might still be tough. I mean, they're not going to be top three, but they're going to be tough. I mean, I'd say yeah. what Indiana, what is it, one through seven? One through seven Indiana, in the East? I think Indiana falls back this year. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you're. It, it's going to be a, a real grind. Well, I think Indiana four. falls back just because of everybody else rising up, or do you think that team takes a step yeah. back? I think they take a step back. I thought they overachieved last year. Um, I, I don't believe. But wasn't Oladipo still a little like messed up last year? I mean, didn't that? I think he still that? is. I, I don't know that he's ever going to not be messed up. I see. You, know? you don't think he gets healthy? Right. Or is healthy for this season. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, he might be, but then you know, what does that team look like, and how does that work, and um. Yeah, I I think in the end. So you still back. say this is a one through six division then? Well, I think that they're. I think that they're. I think the division, the conference is. I mean, conference for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's. You can make a legitimate case, maybe apart from Indiana, you can make a legitimate case for everybody, including Toronto. Let's not, you know, don't forget Toronto. Uh, so what? Philly, Milwaukee, Boston. Uh, you know, Miami. Brooklyn, and Orlando was tough. Toronto. So, Toronto. so what about Atlanta? Right there. Are you going to throw Atlanta like okay. any love? Uh, I, I don't. I got to believe. Okay. I got to so fan. Atlanta, and what about Charlotte? Are you going to give Charlotte any love? Or are you going to put no, Charlotte and Washington together in Cleveland? No, I think Charlotte ends up, uh, you know, out of the mix. You know, I don't. I'm not a big believer there. I I don't okay. think that they're so effective. so your your teams that you be think are strong team, but... strong in the East is Miami, Milwaukee. You're throwing out Indiana. You got Philly, Toronto, Boston, and Brooklyn. So what's yeah. that? That's six. So you're that's saying six. yeah, that's what I thought. So you're so saying teams... you're saying they're the top six are heavy and the seven eight start to fall off. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody yeah. really belongs in that top six, but that's still pretty good. And if you look at the Western yeah. Conference, they're probably still eight deep, though, aren't they? Yeah, I think they well, are. But are. I mean, I think yeah, but see, I the, the difference is is that I I see less of a gap between say one and six than I do in the West. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it's you got a one. L.A. Yeah, yeah. you got a top three, three, and then you've got a middle. Then you got the next tier three, and whereas the Eastern Conference is pretty tight in the top six. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think if you were doing a power rankings, let's say, I mean, I think LA, I think the Lakers are number one, uh, which pains me to say. And I think you could argue that maybe half of those six teams, or, or a good number of them, it, are, are, are on that list and that power ranking before you get to the first Western Conference team. I think I, I I'm not a big believer in what the Clippers have, or Denver. Uh, you know I think that you could you could say that 
Denver and and the Clippers are kind of in that mix with all of those six uh, Eastern Conference teams. You know, can anybody get up to Lakers level? We'll see. You know, injuries can be the, the great equalizer, I think, um, for L.A. But we'll mm. see. We'll see. Should be a fun season. Well, yeah. we just we just gave you an hour and what ten minute episode to get you thrust into NBA, baby. It's back. So that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live.